Frank is off traveling the world, but whether by plane, train, or automobile, he's still able to develop his applications. On this week's show, we take a look at all of our favorite tools to stay connected to our home, how to stay connected to the internet on the road or on the globe, and how to still ship our favorite applications. All that and more on this week's Merge Conflict. This year, James, as I was describing earlier, I've decided to go on a ridiculously long trip. And it's made me think a lot about how to be, well, a programmer, I guess, while on this trip, but mostly just how do I attach myself to the internet? So I thought it would be fun to have a little discussion about what's going on with the state of the art of traveling with technology. How how does that sound to you? Yeah, this is super fun. I actually have some friends that don't have a home base. They're they're game developers and they uh, actually travel around the world all year round and like two months here, three months there, and they set up shop randomly and that's, uh, they create their games on the go. It's amazing. Um, isn't that the dream? I, I, totally I want to get there. I keep telling people, oh, I'm independent. All, as long as I have a laptop, I can live anywhere. I can work anywhere. Uh, I, I should be doing this. I should be. I should be posting from the Antarctic or something. You should be. It'd be amazing. And to be <laughs> honest, like we have the great technology. It's so compact now that we can carry it around. And I actually just did my travel log uh, this this for this last year. Uh, so I, I use this thing called Skyhops to see how often I'm moving around. And Ooh. last year I traveled. Let me look at it here. 150 thousand miles. <sighs> Oh yeah, uh, which is on par <laughs> for 2015. I think I took um, 90 flights. Uh, oh my god, it, James! Yeah, I, I'm all over the place. I did this little flight map. I'll, I'll have to post a little picture. I'm all over the place. It, it's pretty great. I love. I love it. And and as you know, Frank, I travel a lot. Uh, now I'm not gone yes. <laughs> necessarily as long as you are. I was just on a trip to Taiwan where I had to not only be work focused, but also wanted to be connected. I was down in Costa Rica, the same thing is, I feel like these, this day and age, we should be able to do at least like Google Maps. Like that's all I really wanna do yeah. most of the time sure. uh, on the road, but I also wanna be able to work and be productive. And sometimes it's even a challenge even going domestically. Like I was just down in Austin, right? But you are, you, you can tell that, you know, you're somewhere right now. Where are you right now? <laughs> James, I am reporting from the future, as we, as we do. <laughs> as you do. From a little country called Mongolia, which mm. turns out to be a giant country called <laughs> Mongolia. <laughs> uh, I'm actually, uh, I think it's the capital. Gosh, I, I hope we don't get a lot of <laughs> yelling at me because my uh, geography, my history are pretty terrible. I'm American, sorry. Um, but I'm pretty sure I'm reporting from the capital, Ulaanbaatar, in, here in Mongolia. Now, I'm a little different from you because on this trip, it was a really long trip, and I decided to travel super light. I wanted a single backpack, and that's it. Even Not even like my giant hiking backpack. Mm, I carry wow. a bigger backpack when I'm going on like a three-day hike than I have right now. So for me, it was all about being as light as possible, just bringing the bare minimum of things. Like and that, that turned out to be my iPad Pro and my iPhone. Ooh, nice. So only two devices, mm -hmm. iPad mm -hmm. Pro uh, yep. and an iPhone. That's pretty interesting. I bought uh, off a of Kickstarter. I did the same thing. I decided that whenever I wanted to go really far, I didn't want to have to travel a lot around with stuff. So when we were down in Costa Rica for about nine days, I used this thing called a Go Bag, which is really cool. It actually has a compression chamber inside of it. 
so you can actually take your clothes and compress it down. Like, and, Ooh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that's some sweet stuff because mm-hmm. you, you get pretty tired of packing these backpacks. <laughs> yeah. It, now, I was careful. I've, I've learned my lessons. You don't overfill your backpack. When, when you want to go on a trip, you, you fill it about three quarters of the way because inevitably throughout the trip, you're going to keep throwing more and more junk into the thing. Yeah, so these true. compression bags sound, ooh, I need some. <laughs> pretty, pretty nice. And then it has like a whole bunch of, you know, side things that you can put all your iPads or whatever you want in. And to be honest, what's kind of funny is that when we went to Costa Rica, I had my phone and I had my Nexus 9 tablet. So in that instance, I was pretty similar to you. So so I, I guess I want to kind of wrap my head around where that was kind of more of my holiday that I was preparing for holiday travel. In, in I think that today's topic, what we really want to cover is we kind of know where we're at today, like kind of what I've done, what you've done. But it, it sounded like you, we want to kind of cover what does it mean to be really productive on the road? So, so what have you had to do, I guess, on the road mm-hmm. to enable you to still be productive in the, in the sense of working as an independent developer on the road? Yeah, so this is why I brought the iPad Pro, not like a small iPad. At first, mm-hmm. I was looking at my iPad mini. I have a few iPads laying around. And I was thinking, uh, it's not quite... It's, it's really not that much bigger than my phone. I have a 6 mm. Plus, and I put the 6 Plus next to the iPad Mini, and I'm like, well, there's not really that much of a difference. So that's why I decided to bring the big iPad, so it at least feels like I have a bit of a laptop. I have the keyboard extension, uh, the keyboard cover for it that has a keyboard. And basically, it was just finding all the right apps for the mm. iPad to make it actually useful. So I'd, I'd love to go through a few of those. Yeah, let's go you. through it, yeah. Uh, I started out with, and this is this is kind of my fallback plan C. I have a great terminal app, uh, an SSH client called uh, Prompt, Prompt Two, in fact, and that just lets you connect to whatever over SSH, gives you a command line, so that you can do things. And my logic here was, if I can connect to a server back home, uh, it's it's not in my apartment or anything. It's just a Linode server. But at least that way I have access to the American internet in case anything (laughs) gets blocked or anything like that. Or if I'm really jonesing, I can start up a VI client and do some .NET programming through that. But that was really just my plan C, along with monitoring my plants that we've mentioned before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I needed a way to Mm -hmm. be able to do that. So I highly recommend this app. Um, I had Prompt 1 in the beginning, and they've come out with prompt two it's a bit expensive it's 20 bucks and i was really debating whether to get it or not and but i finally decided installed it it's a really nice app it has tabs multiple connections it's able to resume connections nicely so i can't recommend that one highly enough now this is uh, actually if you need yeah this is interesting because the first part of this being connected away from home is the ability to actually connect back to home. And, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I'm not going to lie. Like I do that all the time. So I'll tell you about my setup that I do is, uh, I often don't bring a super powerful PC with me. I'll bring my MacBook with me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very small. It's like an iPad pro really. Let's be honest. It, the iPad <laughs> pro is probably more powerful than it. Um, <laughs> but what I do is I use, I, I probably mentioned it before, but I use the Chrome remote desktop. So this enables me to have the shim wrapper and then just essentially create a a secure connection back to my PC at home. So Mm -hmm. it's just going to send those bits back and forth for the screen mirroring. But if I need to download big files, I need to do any, I need to open stuff. I need to check email. I can easily go to a Mac or to a PC or to a server, anything like that. As long as it's up and running, 
if I can connect to it via internet connection, it's super fast and it, it'll adjust the resolution. So if I'm on like a really slow connection, I'll just give myself a small window and it'll only send me back that resolution that I need. So I'm a more visual person. You're probably more of a terminal person. So <laughs> no, so, no. Interesting though. I, I'm a hundred percent in your camp. In fact, you're completely making me jealous right now <laughs> because <laughs> you can go about three weeks without touching your main machines, but eventually you start to say, Oh, I wish there was something on that machine. Yeah. But I, I, I do have one benefit in that I keep pretty much all my files on Dropbox. Oh yeah. And so as long as you have the Dropbox app on whatever, whatever device you have, then I basically have access to all my files. So it's really just apps it, it's like the ide you know i can't ra- launch xamarin studio or visual studio or anything yeah. from my ipad but for the most part i'm able to ignore those because i happen to have written an ide for the ipad so <laughs> i can get away without those yeah that makes sense and and essentially what you want to be able to do on the road is write some code maybe commit it somewhere mm-hmm. to get some mm-hmm. stuff down like you already got your files if they're on dropbox or OneDrive or google drive right like all those can synchronize yeah. down you can get those files then you want to be able to essentially maybe, I don't know, um, write some, do some art and you want to be able to communicate yeah. like with Slack or Skype. Like we're on a Skype call right now and I'm recording it on my Mac. Um, and then, yeah, writing some code and doing some stuff. That's kind of your main day to day. But I'm, I'm assuming there's probably a lot outside of that, too, just as traveling and, and <laughs> like getting to an Internet connection, maybe. I don't know. How's that? How's that? <laughs> Yeah, let's definitely cover that. But I want to give one more shout out to one more app that I've been really loving. It's called Working Copy. Mm. And all it is, is a Git client. Okay. So yeah, so you can do your branches, you can pull code down, you can push code up, you can do all of that stuff. It's a really nice app, you can move files in and out of it. And so I highly recommend Working Copy for accessing all your Git stuff. So while I do have all that stuff technically under Dropbox, Dropbox is pretty much a terrible UI for editing files, yeah. whereas Working Copy actually has a built-in editor with you know some code coloring and things like that. It's really nice. So are you able to get code in and out of continuous then somehow? Is there some weird mm-hmm. workaround that you can do there? <laughs> I mean, it's I, not a weird break because if you think about an iPad, it's a very sandboxy thing. So that's why yes. when you think about yes. coding on the road, if you have a, if you just bring your laptop, well, that's, that's fine as yeah. long as you have an internet connection, but we're mm-hmm. talking like super minimum. And when mm-hmm. we talk about super minimum, the iPad is very sandbox. So if I create an yes. app and you can create an app, we can kind of communicate, but um, <laughs> it's not necessarily easy per se. Yeah, I mean, Apple keeps working on this. Yes, they do have the sandbox. And what that means is every app keeps its files to itself, basically. No app can access another app's files. So that's pretty tricky for an app like Working Copy that you you might want to use a different app to edit a file rather than whatever's built into Working Copy. Mm-hmm. And in that case, uh, iOS does have built-in document sharing. So you can, in working copy, say, send this file to continuous or send this directory to continuous, my, my IDE. And then I can play around with it in uh, continuous. And then in continuous, I can say, send these files back to working copy. Mm, okay. So it's a little weird, but you're basically within the app, within the data that you're looking at, you send it to another app. It, it's not the normal flow that we're used to. But the, to be honest, when you're traveling, you're not like doing a commit every two seconds. Mostly yeah. I'm just futzing around and playing with things and then maybe do a commit at the end of the day or something like that. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I know how I was on the road, even when I was just, you know, locally in Austin or when I was in Taiwan is like, I wasn't doing, I wasn't like writing an entire app from scratch. I was like, oh, I have this idea. I just want to you know, mess mm-hmm. around with this thing. And I'm doing a little bit things here and there. And, and essentially you could probably even, you know, create local, just copy the file or copy some code and put it in a new file and just have it around. And if it's inside a continuous then it's probably good for a bit and eventually you'll get it out. You yeah. know, Exactly. Yeah. And and as long as your iPad is backing up, then that data is being backed up. So it, it is actually quite fine. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, I will note one little issue I've run into, and that is maybe you want to turn off two-factor authentication in GitHub. Ooh. Because the GitHub will not let me log in. I do not have access to my American telephone number, and it keeps trying to send me text messages, and they're not working. Yes. So, mm, lesson learned. <laughs> the, the biggest, the biggest problem on the road is two-factor auth, and it's kind of funny. Is I, oh. I literally just logged in. I, I saw all these tweets about like New Year's resolutions of turning on two-factor auth on everything, and <laughs> I, I basically have it on on everything, but it really yeah. mostly supports either email or text, and I always support text because yeah. it's just like no matter where I'm at. But I've just run into problems like where my phone is dead. And I'm like, well, oh. I got I can't, can't and I don't have anything else around. So I guess I'm not getting it. Um, yeah. Pro pro tip. They do have, I think they call them like emergency codes mm-hmm. or scary codes or never use these codes codes. Mm-hmm. But you can get these codes and get single logins and things like that. Gmail has that. Fortunately, apps like Slack will just use email. But I haven't been able to figure out how to get GitHub to switch over to email. Uh, yeah. for, for this authentication so i'm kind of i'm stuck I, i've been watching twitter and some people have been posting pull, pull requests to my repositories and they're like hey why aren't you looking at this i'm like i totally would be but they won't <laughs> let me comment <laughs> oh yeah. so yeah mm. yeah i can see it because it's public but you can't really do anything yeah and so, there's, pro there's tip. A, and there's a bummer <laughs> that there's not really a good github app like there's a few third-party apps that at least on android but i i mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of giving third-party apps access to my, all my GitHub Keys repos. to the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Even on public ones, I'm like, eh, it's a little yeah. sketchy. So, well, that that's a nice feature of uh, working copy where they'll do uh, SSH keys that are specific to a repository. Oh, that's nice. So even if, yeah, even if the world came to an end, worst case, uh, someone can mess around with just a single repository, not, not your whole account or anything. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's pretty, mm-hmm. that's been, that's coming to kind of my like iffy on, on the road is like, I don't want to <laughs> let anyone touch my stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. a little bit not quite ready to, to hand over those keys, but at some point it would be nice if GitHub like did a, did a client for like iPad pro. That'd be really good. I mean, yeah. like their desktop clients really good. And I just want to be able to get stuff and do stuff and like browse my issues, um, and I guess, yeah, that's the problem is if you didn't authenticate ahead of time before you left and you can't or get your keys, oh man, it's even it. weirder than that though. I mean, with this two factor, you never know when it's going to log you out because I logged yeah. into GitHub just before I left on mm-hmm. the idea that maybe it'll refresh my token or, you know, cross, cross my fingers. But turns out, nope, the moment I was in a different country, it logged me out and said, yeah. too bad. I've seen it before, like Facebook does that, where it's like, oh, you're in another country. Like, you have to go through this whole new rigmarole now. Yeah, you're like, so, no, this is when I'm most vulnerable, Facebook. Let me in. <laughs> Let me in now. <laughs> I need to share. Yeah. I'm lonely and desperate now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Yeah. So, yeah, so iPad. Well, we can. Pro. iPad Pro. I wish more companies would support it. Like even the Facebook app, they just give you the standard iPad interface with like mm. the big janky keyboard and everything. Oh. I just, it's so weird. Companies don't comprehend how great a device this iPad Pro is. For me, it really is a laptop replacement. If it wasn't for these little niggling cases of like, mm, say, recording a podcast, <laughs> I'm completely sufficient on this device. I don't need to carry around a big old laptop. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing is when you're, when you're traveling and you're backpacking, there isn't space, like even there's, there's hardly even oh. space for, for a surface surface book. And then you got to think about adapters and you got to think about power and oh, you got to think about this. Adapters. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, exactly. At least an iPad can just charge off of any old USB that you find on airplanes, on trains, yep. whatever. I don't want to carry around. And, and that's the truth of it. I just don't want to carry around the power brick for the yeah. laptop. Yep. New favorite I mean, thing. New favorite thing. MacBook, my MacBook. Um, uh-huh. I was down in Austin. And I forgot to bring my power brick. So I just used my Android charger because it's uh-huh. USB-C and it's only just charges. I didn't know Android had switched to USB-C. At, awesome. at least, yeah. At least some of the newer ones like my 6P and the new Nexuses and Pixels all use uh, a USB-C. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. So, so that means technically, if you got the new MacBook Pro, you should be able to charge that too, right? Technically, but then you're carrying around a three-pound, <laughs> you know. And that's okay, the thing it's is, still a big you know, one. It's big. You know, it's right. a big okay. one. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to avoid. A, because having anything extra just means it's going to get lost. And B, yeah, it takes up space. Yeah. I don't even mind a little bit of weight. It's the space. It's the space. No space. Yeah. yeah. Did you bring, did you end up bringing like your Apple Watch and any like microphones <laughs> or like, you know, what is the, what is in the bag? Well, you know, you know the answer to this. I did not bring a microphone, even though you lectured me for two weeks <laughs> on which microphone in particular I should bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was too lazy to actually do it. I, I promise my next rig will be better. Uh, so I didn't have a microphone. I have my, and I didn't even bring my watch. Uh, and I didn't bring a watch because it's another cable and it's another device to potentially lose. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very forgetful person. I'm bouncing in and out of a lot of trains, a lot of hotels, just constantly on the move, constantly repacking my backpack. So I'm really down to just, no, I don't want anything to think about other than, you know, my headphones and the devices. Yeah, and you don't want to lose I do have it. my Apple Pencil. Yeah. I have my Ooh, Apple nice. Pencil just so I can mess around and have fun. <laughs> well, I want to I talk about I want to see how you handle um, jumping in and out of all these different hotels, across country lines and all this stuff. Um, because I have, I have some really cool stuff that I've done lately to try to, to, to try to help me on the road, no matter where I'm at. Uh, but first, let me, let's take a, like a quick little break here and, and thank one of our sponsors. Um, I'm so excited. I've been using this company now before they started sponsoring. They're like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta check us out, do this stuff. I've heard about them for a long time. They sponsor Mer- merch conflict. I'm so excited to have them on board. Um, it's Raygun. I love Raygun. I've actually put them in four of my applications that are now live on the app store, including my holiday hack, which we'll talk about in the future. Uh, and boy, I cannot, I, I'm, I'm in love. I'm in love with this product. <laughs> For crash reporting. I know you're in love because every time we record a podcast, we start with a half hour of James' gl- glowing review of Raygun and how much he loves it. It's so good. I love it so much that I actually built a step for BitRise to upload my DSIM automatically with every build to Raygun, like instantaneously. Um, so it's in my CI pipeline immediately. And if you don't know what Raygun is, 
it's essentially everything developers need, no matter what type of application or website you're building for crash reporting to detect and diagnose software errors. But it also gives you real user monitoring too, to find and fix performance issues with your web requests or anything that's going on. If your pages are taking a long time to load, it'll track that for you too. Their motto is spend more time building great software and less time fighting it. And this cannot be more true. I mean, it's so fast. It's so quick. The crash reports are so rich. Of course, you're hoping that you never have any crashes, but you know, uh, sometimes they happen. And the great thing here is that you can add their SDK. It's a cross-platform SDK for Xamarin developers. For They handle iOS, Android, web, JavaScript, ASP.NET. You code in it, they support it. So it's not just mobile, it's everything. But for Xamarin developers, if you're, if you're like me, they have a cross-platform um, SDK. It's just a nougat. You add it, boom, in under a minute. It'll automatically be collecting uncaught exceptions. You can have it integrated into Slack, GitHub, Zendesk, VSTS, Fogbugs, anything. It's awesome. I cannot recommend Raygun enough. They have a full 30-day trial that you can check out. Go to raygun.com slash merge conflict and support the show and give Raygun a try. You will love it. Uh, I guarantee it. There's <laughs> my guarantee. Um, so thanks, Raygun, for sponsoring Merge Conflict. Thank you, Raygun. Yeah. So... Here's how I got around. So I used to be on Verizon, and ah. whenever I left the country, anytime that I got to the Peace Arch um, mm -hmm. in Canada, it was all like, and that'll cost you $1,000, or your phone <laughs> yeah. just doesn't work. Um, so here's how I got around all of this is, one, I first, for domestic travel, bought my own hotspot that I carry around just because I wanted a dedicated hotspot and I have to worry about cell phone mm -hmm. reception and data overages or anything like that. But or burning through your battery. A burning through the battery. I will say that's the biggest thing is I don't even yeah. know how you're handling batteries. You have an iPad Pro. <laughs> but like when you yeah. go to other countries, that cell chip just goes crazy. And mm -hmm. it is just searching. And like your battery, which may have lasted you a day in quotes, is like yeah. eight hours. So yeah. um, I use Google Fi um, myself, which is um, T-Mobile and AT&T in the States, but they have a global network in 130 countries. So when I step off a plane, I got cell phone reception. I have mm. data. Um, yeah. It will still burn through my battery. So I always have a <laughs> bunch of battery packs because now it's even doing double work. But um, you have an iPhone and you don't have Google Fi. So how no, the no. heck did you handle or how are you handling this? Between two devices, okay. iPad Pro and iPhone. Yeah, yeah, it's a juggling act. <laughs> uh, so I have Verizon also, a uh, US mm. person. And generally speaking, if I go to, say, Europe or something, Verizon has a plan where you can pay $10 a day and it just acts like your normal uh, carrier coverage. So whatever your normal limits are, they apply and you just pay $10 a day. And you're and gone if I'm for doing... three weeks, which is going to be no, $270. No, no, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's fine for short trips, but I'm yeah. just saying it's great for short trips. Um, I don't mind spending that $10. My travel companion here, shout out to Kelly, uh, she has T-Mobile, mm. and that's a lot better oh, yeah. <laughs> because basically every country you go to, it just works. Yep. And I think it just uses your normal plan, so nothing complicated going on there. But there are there are problems. So me, um, going back to my Verizon-ness, uh, I just have to ditch the Verizon. The moment I get off of the airplane, I pop that Verizon SIM out of my phone because I do not want the $2,000 bill showing up in the mail a mm. day later or whatever. And what I try to do is find prepaid SIMs throughout the country. 
And that's actually pretty easy, uh, super easy if you speak the language, mildly easy mm. if you don't speak the language. Um, it usually involves me walking into a store, wandering around until I see the right numbers in the right pattern. Like I'm looking for... <laughs> I'm looking for anything that looks like gigabytes or data or internet. So I'm decoding icons. So pointing at, at stuff. This one, this uh -huh, one, this one. Uh -huh. <laughs> and um, generally speaking, you can find it or you just keep saying prepaid long enough or you use Google <laughs> Translate or something and eventually they'll understand what you want. And it turns out to be relatively cheap. Um, I was in, I think, St. Petersburg, Russia, and I was able to get one gigabyte of data for $10. So I just oh, spent $10. That, yeah, they gave me a SIM, and I was good. One gig. The biggest problem there is you give them your passport. You have to do mm. all this paperwork. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I felt so bad for the person who actually had to sign me up for the SIM card because here I'm just paying $10. You know, it's not much money. Yeah. And they had to do like a half hour of typing. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. SIM activated. So I, I can only imagine, though, in the future, that process will be a little more streamlined. I think that's just countries being a little silly, trying to track foreigners. Yeah, I never understood that. You you check in at a hotel, and they're like, can we have your passport? And I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm just checking in at a hotel. But I <laughs> yeah. guess, like... It's none I, of I your guess, business. Yeah, I guess you need to know everywhere I've been. But Yeah, Russia's even funnier. You actually have to pay a registration at the hotel. Whoa. To, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's a dollar, but it's still funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then but then there are other countries like Mongolia, where my friends T-Mobile, even the vo the grand T-Mobile that fails, oh. uh, they don't actually have coverage. Oh, no. Yeah. But here we really lucked out that their mobile game is on point here. So we walked into the hotel and right there was an advertisement for prepaid SIMs. That's here, good. Give us this amount of money. We'll give you a SIM. Yeah. And so all you need is an unlocked phone, I think. I don't even know. What's the state of Apple with their locking the phones these days? I always get the world unlocked phone, so it's not been a problem. But I think some phones are still locked, right? I think I don't. Yeah, it's like, you know, you are think 2017, we should have this figured out. I, I, I assume my phone's unlocked. I, it be. I keep I keep paying for the phones outright Ooh. just because like, yeah. whatever. And um, so it's not been an issue. But just keep that in mind. Make yeah. sure you... If you're going to try this, make sure your phone's unlocked. Yeah, you know what? But you know, after yeah. that. You know what happened to me is I went and I bought that 18. I had an eight. I have a, so I have an AT&T hotspot. So, so I have like T-Mobile and, and Sprint on my phone via Google Fi. So then I bought a hotspot that is not one of those. So it's like, I know that one <laughs> uh, of these networks is going to work, right? So Something better work. Mm, yeah. Something better work. <laughs> now what they did, and probably this is the state of unlock is that I, I still had to buy the, I had to buy the hotspot for like $200 mm. and then it's $20 a month for two gigs. And they, they lock the device for six months. And then after that, you can unlock it for free uh, or something like I that. See. They're just like, they want the base. So probably it's like that. Who knows? Basically mm -hmm. check your phone to see if it's unlocked yes. first or yes. else you're going to go into the store and then it's not going to, not going to work. Yeah, and a, a cheap way, if you live in the north of the United States, you can just hop over to Canada and yeah. see if it works or not. Yeah. That, that's always my test bed. Take a trip up to Canada. Yeah, and be very careful because uh, yeah, we went to Canada and Heather still has Verizon. And you'll get sometimes close to the border and it'll switch you over. Like you're not even in oh, Canada. You don't even and, realize. And yeah. I think it's like it's like $5 a meg or something. And Heather got her bill <laughs> and... 
and like Facebook opened and it was like game over. That's like, yeah, that's like the front page of Facebook, all the autoplay oh my videos, goodness. Yep. all the continuous messaging, um, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. And, and it adds up fast. It does. And the reason why uh, one of these SIM cards is so important is because even if you're over, like I've traveled all over the place and you think that you're going to be like, I'll just hop from Wi-Fi to Wi-Fi or I'm in a hotel, they'll have Wi-Fi. And mm-hmm. they may, but like often, like especially in Europe, like just everything is locked down. Or often what I find is that you'll need to connect to a Wi-Fi in a hotel. Then they have to register you via text message. Oh, geez. Yeah. I haven't run into that. Yeah. yeah I ran into that one. in Zurich, actually. So what I had to do is I actually had to ask the receptionist for her phone number. Oh, no. Right. So I could get the authentication code to enter it into the web page. And you're like, ah, oh, I'm just traveling. This is way before when I saw Verizon. And now I'm just like, oh, just like all this stuff, you know. At least so it was Germany. A lot of them speak English. So you're a little bit in yeah, luck, it, right? It, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it's fine if you go to the, some countries that, yeah, speak some stuff. But if not, like when we were in, in, in Taiwan, like, you know, it's a little bit harder to, to communicate and, and, uh, figure things out. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I got pretty lucky with Google Fi, um, big fan, but also I carry around like three power bricks with me. Like that's, (laughs) yeah, I, I have a big one and then I call these ones called lipsticks. They're like really small circular ones. They'll give me about a (laughs) 75% charge uh, on a single one. Uh, which is really nice, and you, they're just USB. You like plug them in everywhere, and they're they're small and compact. I have like five of them hidden around the apartment. Like, oh, I need some juice, right? You know, just like put them in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, probably the biggest downfall of the iPad Pro is how slowly it charges. Even mm. when I'm at home, <laughs> I just plug it into the wall, and if I keep the screen on, I swear it doesn't charge. It'll just stay at thirty percent. You know, if you're using it and charging it at the same time, nope. Too, too much power. Can't have it too It'll, much. <laughs> too much. Uh, technically, I've heard you can get the USB-C adapters, and the iPad Pro can accept mm. USB-C, which is a higher current, higher voltage, oh, that's know, cool. whatever it is. It can charge better. But I don't have one of those with me, again, because I'm traveling light. I just have my normal Apple dingus <laughs> USB <laughs> thing. <laughs> and uh, overall, uh, it's been fine, just because the iPad Pro itself has pretty good battery life. The times I run into trouble are uh, when I'm trying to get to sleep, like on the train, and I just want to watch videos, and I'm just watching video after video after video, Mm. and that will burn through the battery like nothing. (laughs) It does not last. And so pretty much what happens then is I have to leave it to charge overnight. It just Mm. has to sit connected to the wall. The iPhone, on the other hand, charges pretty darn fast, and I have... I still have a Xamarin uh, battery from Evolve something, maybe Evolve 14. Yeah. And that thing has been a real champ. It's able to charge my phone a couple times on one charge itself. Yeah, I recommend so get, I getting one of those big boys and, and carrying yeah, it Yeah, you need a big one. Don't, yeah. don't get the small ones. They're not worth it. You get one no. charge out of it and whatever. Yeah. It, it's worth it's It's literally the heaviest item in my bag is that battery <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> compared to everything else. Yeah. What I, what I like too is, so my recommendations have always been pro tip is if you want to, to watch anything, make sure you download it offline ahead of time because oh, yes. internet's slow. But here's my biggest recommendation for traveling on the go is I obviously install Google translate, which is available on mm-hmm. all of the devices. I'm pretty sure. And what you can do in translate is you can download the language packs ahead of time. 
Mm-hmm. So when you go in and you're like, hey, you know, I'm going and I need to know Arabic right now or I need to know <laughs> Bulgarian, you can download those Stat. ahead of time. Yeah. And then you yep. can type them in. But what's really cool is if you do have, um, if you do have um, internet, you can actually take a photo. This is, this is super mm-hmm. awesome. You can scan in real time, like, and, and it'll do an instant on, instant off, and it'll translate photos. When we were in Taiwan, we would go out and we could translate stuff near, and it'll do its best, but it'll get you across. <laughs> so make sure you download those language packs ahead of time because that's super nifty. Yeah, It, it really does work too. I, yeah. I sometimes feel like an idiot tourist if I have to take my phone out and like put it really close to some text and hopefully it can translate that text. Because mm-hmm. if, if you're using, uh, if you're in a place with a different alphabet, you know, they use Cyrillic and uh, mm-hmm. Russia, then you need to learn how to type Cyrillic. It's really slow. Ooh. You're always hunting and pecking, trying to find the exact characters. So it's so much easier to just point your phone at the thing and get the translation. Uh, so uh, Google Translate has been a huge benefit. Uh, hu- good. It's been good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially with the offline mode. One problem, it doesn't support offline Mongolian. Ooh. I think it... Yeah. <laughs> this, this country's special. It's I think... Special I don't idea. know. Yeah. Uh, Going back, uh, Google Maps actually has an offline mode too. So another yeah, pro say that, tip: yeah. yeah, if you know what cities you're going to and general areas, go download all the offline maps also. So mm-hmm. you have all of that just ready for you because your phone can work with just the GPS. It doesn't need a cell connection or anything like that. The GPS will act like GPS, and you'll be able to get around the city just fine. Yeah, that's very true. I, I didn't even I didn't even think about that because that's one thing that we did too. Is wherever we would go, we would zoom in on the city offline, offline, offline. Mm-hmm. We would cache it all, mm-hmm. and, and no matter where you're at, your GPS is still a GPS. It'll take a little bit longer to triangulate, yeah. but it'll work. It'll drain your battery, mm-hmm. but it'll work. <laughs> Definitely, um, unless. Yeah. Unless you're in Mongolia, where they don't allow Google offline. Oh my goodness! No, what is with this country? Isn't it hilarious? Yeah, I I can't imagine. I mean, are these lawyers? Are these government people? I don't know what's going going on. Yeah, Yeah. you gotta imagine that maybe in China or in North Korea or some of those other countries that are really locked (laughs) off in the world. You know, then I would say so. You know, we're going to be in, we're going to Cuba later this uh, year, yeah. which should be pretty fun. Uh, and I'm assuming there's going to be a whole bunch of things blocked off and weird things that we can't get into. So we'll see. Yeah. And I would say download those maps now just in case they take away <laughs> later. But Google expires the maps after 30 days. No. Yes. <laughs> so That's if a pro your trip tip, is longer than 30 days, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is why I mentioned in the beginning, it's nice to have access to the American internet sometimes. This came up, too, um, talking about offline files. Uh, Netflix. Netflix has offline videos now. So Mm -hmm. you can go find your favorite videos and download them. Yes. Little trick, if they detect that you're in a country that they don't support, they won't let you watch the offline videos. No. Are you serious? Yes. This is pure lawyers. This is so terrible. Yeah. I did not know Um, that. That's crazy. Yeah. So a cute little thing you can do is just put your device into airplane mode. You start the app (laughs) (laughs) and it'll play the videos. That's funny. Doesn't know. Stupid Netflix. (laughs) That's good. I like that. Yeah, it's funny because I remember trying to watch like Netflix and Hulu, Hulu, even in Canada or when we were in Luxembourg. Yeah. And it was like, no, it was like, you can't do it. I remember installing a Chrome extension where it would like give me a random IP in like some place. Uh uh And I'm like, I have no idea what is being sent (laughs) through the pipes right now. I'm so scared. Um, Uploading all your Dropbox. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, turn off everything. I was like, no, don't do anything. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
yeah, I downloaded all these Star Treks, and I was so excited to watch Star Trek on the airplane, and then, or it wasn't the airplane, I must have been on the ground, but yeah, yeah. error box, great. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something, is there, are there, on the road, is there anything that you've missed that you were able to do at home that you just can't do? I would say that like is, is for our listeners that are maybe getting ready to take a trip or kind of planning this out, what are, what are some things that you wish you had maybe done or have missed out on that you just don't think are possible? Boy, that's a tough question because I feel like I've come over every hurdle so far. Besides two-factor um, auth. <laughs> I'll, I'll say um, I, I was <laughs> – that one's impossible. <laughs> i got to register my Russian number with it. <laughs> uh, that, oh, that's fun, too, about getting the SIM cards. You keep getting uh, fun phone numbers. Uh, but um, hmm, uh, new episode of Sherlock came out, mm. and I've been searching desperately every hotel to have BBC One. And none of these hotels have BBC One, so I couldn't watch my new Sherlock, and I really wanted to watch the new Sherlock. And so I wanted to find a copy that perhaps fell off the back of a truck or something (laughs) and pick it up off the street and watch it. And that was a little tricky, but I figured out ways to do that, too, even on an iPad. I was going to say, did you download the PBS app? Because it actually streamed on PBS on Masterpiece. We, we, we Chromecasted it to our Netflix. We didn't even, everyone oh, was like, I'm going to turn in. And I knew I, was I like, should have called you. Yeah, I, da- I downloaded I knew it. you could have hooked me up. Mm-hmm. We waited. <laughs> it was actually on the PBS app way before it even started airing on the, like, they put uh, it on there during the East Coast. And like, they didn't, it's just an app, right? It's available. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we actually waited until nine o'clock Pacific. And we're like, and go. Um, and that was pretty good. It streamed HD right to our Android player. And it, it was great. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, so good. It was a very sad episode. No spoilers, but crazy. <laughs> no <episode>. spoilers. <laughs> crazy episode. I enjoyed it. It yeah. was nice and long. Perfect for yes. a big trip. Yes. Um, no, you know, honestly, I just haven't felt limited. I, I will say um, uh, VI, I'm not a VI user. Mm-hmm. So when I am connected to my server and doing things, I find it a little annoying, but that's purely because my VI skills are not up to snuff. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I could improve my you know, not using cursor keys and using search and jumping around words. I I could improve all those skills. And so I think next time I travel, I'll have my VI skills up a little bit. Uh, But that's purely on me. That's not even technological. (laughs) I will give uh, one more uh, um, bonus (laughs) or something to pro tip to bringing some noise canceling headphones. They have been lifesavers on like well, the train, basically, <laughs> where there's always something going on. The train's making a lot of noise. The people in the cabin next to you are making a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And so just having noise-canceling headphones, just it, that's kind of my luxury item on this trip. How I mentioned I don't even have a watch. Like, the watch is much smaller than these noise-canceling headphones. These things take up a ridiculous amount of space. Uh, but they're wireless, so I don't have to worry about a cable or anything. And these are just the Bose QC35s. And just as a luxury item, it's been more than worth it lugging them around. Yeah, I would say for for me, what I've done is a um, big fan of headphones because children screaming on a mm-hmm. long flight, that's good. I also bring uh, uh, eye mask. So you can go get like a really cheap one, two dollar eye mask. Oh, yeah. Often yeah. they're given to you on planes, but sometimes not. And plus they're good just to have. And then mm-hmm. uh, earbuds, not, like ear, not earbuds, but the the things, the little squishy things that you put in your ear. They, they really jam in there, right? Jam like, right in there. You can't hear anything. Yeah. yeah, so if you don't have noise-canceling earphones and you don't want to invest in that, just go to, to Walgreens for like $2 mm-hmm. and get some you know, yeah. ear things. And then here's what I'm about. 
this is new for me. I'm wearing them currently. I have my, my airplane pants on, um, okay. which are for flights over six hours. Um, uh-huh. and essentially you gotta be, you know, you gotta wear like a t-shirt. You gotta be free. You don't want to wear like super tight uh-huh. skinny jeans on a no cables. Yep. Yeah. Um, so be aware of that. And then obviously like a neck thing maybe to like, you know, scrunch up on, but that does take space. There's some inflatable ones, but those aren't super comfortable. There's no really good use case. I can't figure out the, the flying, you know, head. I can't even sleep on planes, So it doesn't really matter, I guess. But oh, me neither. I, I, I hope that in Melatonin. my rage, I'll learn to fly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll drug myself left and right and I still won't fall asleep on an yeah. airplane. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I often travel with a buff. It's this like, uh, if you've ever seen Survivor, it's what they give all the people in the beginning of the Survivor show. It's just this little thing that you can put around your neck. It acts kind of like a scarf, but at the same time, uh, you can easily use it to cover your eyes, too. So That's it's nice. my multi-purpose. It's literally zero degrees outside continuously, so I'm always <laughs> having to have a scarf on of some sorts. So it's nice to have this buff that I can easily pull over my mouth, I can pull over my eyes to black out the lights and everything. And honestly, I find it a lot more comfortable than the face mask. Because even if you get a cheap face mask, the, the good ones are better than this, but some light will leak in. Whereas if you just put a scarf essentially around your eyes, you are just blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you put the noise canceling headphones on and you are in your own little universe. You are decoupled. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Was there anything else you wanted to cover, Frank? Before you go off and oh, enjoy the rest of I think we did a pretty good holiday. job before I embarrass yeah. myself some more with my <laughs> little things here. I love I think it. Covered travel. <laughs> I love it. Well, well, you know, out there surviving the road. You've been out there for like three, four, about eight, eighteen weeks now. I think. I don't know. It feels yeah. like I miss you. I'm not I even sure if ya. I'm American anymore. No. <laughs> You'll be back before they, they they at some point you're gone too too long and then they they drag you back anyways. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> they're like, you can't leave America for too long. Come back. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I was in Romania. It's like I had to come back every three months, or else there was tax things or weird things. Yeah. But, right, um, for sure. Anyways, I love it. That, that's pretty cool. Cause you're taking tons of different modes of transportation. You're in so many different countries that are really out there that some people will never even go to in their life. But if you go out, even short trips, like when I went to Hawaii or just when I went to like, mm-hmm. you know, Austin, like some of these things, they seem like, well, you know, you got to travel really far for these to apply, but no, even for short trips, they're super great. Just, you know, make sure you have the right chargers, your SIM cards, your hotspots, things that are going to work internationally and do your research ahead of time. That's what I found. Like, does my T-Mobile plan work in Mongolia? I don't know. I got, you know, I'd like <laughs> yeah. to research that ahead of time. They have these maps. Go look at them. Um, yes, sometimes definitely. we forget the simplicity of it. So, well, Frank, I wish you the safest uh, travels back home uh, to, to the good old Seattle, Washington. Um, and enjoy the rest of your trip. I've been, it's been a joy following you on Twitter and on Facebook and, and seeing these great videos of, of all this craziness that you're doing. So I love it. Thank you. It, it's been a really fun trip and it's still kind of in the middle of it. So I yep. thank you. Appreciate the <laughs> good luck. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, I, I do miss my Seattle. It'll be nice to get home. Yes. Come home. Well, until next <laughs> time I am James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening.